Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. If you love your motorsport, then you know the name Jonathan Green. He works in America for a national, nationally syndicated show called Speed City Broadcast, which goes across... America, but more locally here you know him as the voice of the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Oceania Championship, which used to be called TRS, but we've got the new sponsor on board and the FIA approval, so you've got to call that one. But he joins us right now, I think on his way to Topo for the final round. Is that right, JG? Yeah, ready to go. I'm on my way to Tapo, my friend. <laughs> but it's it's midday, and you're you you feel I feel like you've already just had 44 coffees and ready to go. Uh, let's yeah. We we, we tried <laughs> I got to, extra oil in. I'm, I'm wrapping up already. <laughs> I tried to have a talk to Lawrence van Open, uh, but we had real tech problems. So. What you saw yesterday from a young man who turns up a week out from a New Zealand Grand Prix, which which holds so much prestige, that that race of his yesterday. When you look at races that you have seen won for this race, where do you where do you rate that one? Well, right up there. I mean, think about this. Post COVID, uh, motor racing took a dive, especially for the youngsters, because you know it's easy to get forgotten in in in, in half a season. Never mind three seasons. So if you're coming up through COVID and you're making a name for yourself like this kid was, um, you've got to have a breakout moment. And that was it this weekend. I mean, I, I have to be honest, I'd not heard of the kid. But when I did my due diligence and looked him up, I can see his karting expertise, his F3 expertise, and his Formula Regional expertise, although he's not shaken the world um he has now because winning the grand prix changes everything i I made the reference to how important this series is on a global perspective and you'll remember this liam lawson uh, passing on the outside in the wet at highlands that was the one moment that red bull went we want him Uh, And I'm convinced that Helmut Marko was watching that day. Uh, I I remember it distinctly because Liam's birthday is the 11th of February. And on the 12th, Helmut Marko made the call and said, young man, you're coming on board. And here we are a couple of years later. And Liam's on his way to Formula One. I mean, that is the beauty of the New Zealand uh, Grand Prix. And also the beauty of the Toyota Racing Series is that this is, one of those places where you get together a group of uh, really good up-and-coming hopefuls like Lando Norris's and Lance Strolls uh, a couple of years ago, Richard Bashaw, Liam Lawson you mentioned, and now this kid Van Hopen. And you've just got to think that now, now that the team managers around the world from Trevor Carlin to anybody else is going to be going, who is this kid? Well, we were, as a broadcast team, talking last week at Manfield about a kid called Louis Foster. And he, he, yep. he had arrived 48 hours earlier and shook up the whole competition. A week later, someone else puts him in his place. Yeah, pretty much. And, um, yeah, I mean, I bet he's a bit bummed that uh, he's arrived because it was going to look like the rest of the season was going to be the Louis Foster show. And as you know, he's off to do for, uh, to do Indy Next with uh, Hunter McElroy and Jamie Chadwick and got a huge resume behind him. His father raced. 
uh, got a big history behind him, but then comes this upstart from Holland. <laughs> so I love it. And, and it's everything that I hoped it would be post-COVID because we needed this series to have a real injection of international stars coming through, which is what this series has always been about. But also Kiwis taking them on like they did back in the day with Eamon and everybody else. Um, but also seeing the foreigners, four Americans this time, Australians involved. It's all good stuff, and that's what we needed post-COVID. I want to talk about two young New Zealanders. The first one I want to talk about is Callum Hedge, who sits second in the championship behind young Charlie Wurtz, who we, we cannot forget because he, he is the championship leader, just didn't have a great GP. But Callum Hedge has come out of Porsche racing, jumped back into a single-seater. Where did you think his future lies? Because I asked him this question off-camera. He wasn't so sure. I know, and I think this five weeks has recalibrated Callum Hedge in a way. Um, he admitted something to me privately, which was he felt he was faster in the single seater, which he'd forgotten about, than he is in the Porsche. Uh, and I said, well, what's the difference? And he said, well, in terms of G-force and speed, it's not that different. He said, but I'm starting to feel really comfortable in a single seater and I haven't closed the door. And this last few weeks has shown me that I shouldn't close the door. And so he, for all his affability and cheeky chappiness, he's a very, very heavy thinker is Callum Hedge. And he's a very serious young man. And I do think this five weeks has given him a better platform than he had before. Liam Lawson, we just talked about. Well, his was a straight path to single seaters and Red Bull. I think with Callum now, yes, he'll go and jump on with uh, Earl Bamber and, and race in Australia. But the door is open now to come back and maybe do some single seaters or continue. He's still young enough, and there's no reason why he couldn't be picked up, uh, you know, either in America or even um, on the road to India if he chose to. You see, this is an interesting thing for me because you've got uh, Caleb Nato, who you said yesterday, and I think you broke the news that he was going to sign with Earl Bamber for the in the Carrera Cup Asia, which is which is where yep. Bam, where, where Bamber made his name, and we now know where he has ended up with Chip Ganassi Racing and the likes. And I just wonder, Jonathan, whether there is a tendency now for young men Men, that endurance racing, tin tops, is a far more financially possible route to take rather than the, the you know, the wannabe, the F2, F3 path. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because you have been around motor racing pretty much as long as I have. And, you know, it used to be when we would interview a 16 or 17-year-old, they all would say, I want to do the Indy 500 or I want to be in Formula One. Those days are gone. Now they say, I want to be a professional racing driver. Yeah. And the route to GT racing, Le Mans, um, you know, working with gentlemen drivers who help <laughs> learn their way. Uh, Brendan Leach, good example. You know, a professional racing driver on his way to Dubai this weekend, um, but now on his way to being a professional, full-time, paying, uh, paid racing driver. And I think that's where the, the likes of Edge and a few others are not so set on being the next world champion of Formula One. They just want to. They just want to follow their passion and get paid to do it. Do and 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 I I wholeheartedly uh, think that's a very sensible idea. We all want to play for the All Blacks, but maybe you just want to play rugby. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, fair play. I mean, do we think? But do, do we see this as an evolution of? of the sport or the evolution of the, the next generation seeing that, you know, it is cool to race GT cars. I mean, you look at that G Golden Homes GTNZ Championship we're running at the moment. McLarens, you know, Ferraris, Ginettas, and then Gene Rollinson yesterday goes out and win a Lamborghini. Maybe there is a mindset early on, not, not when they're getting serious, that it's just cool to be wanted driving one of those cars. 
Absolutely. And the thing is, what they're also discovering, I mean, I looked at Brendan's, uh, Brendan Leach's uh, schedule. He's got 26 weekends. And, and but about Callum Hedge, is only eight rounds of Porsche. Mm. That's, not, that's only eight weeks of real intense working. So mm. what else could you be doing as a, you know, as a paid driver or somebody who could show up with a helmet uh, and actually put on a show? Look at John O'Lester yesterday. You know, good example of somebody who's always been quick, always been fast, can do anything he wants in a car and has managed to eke out a career. And Chris Vanager, if you mentioned the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia, well, that's another guy out, outside of Earl Bamba who made it there as well. So, yeah, I mean, th- these are options. And when you look at what the companies like Porsche and Toyota and how people like Brendan Hartley and Earl Bamber have found a home with these companies, um, you know, um, it, it's a good life getting to do Le Mans and getting to drive the, the, the best spec that Porsche uh, or any of the other manufacturers can produce. And I think it's, it's definitely a path that these young guys are now opening their eyes to rather than being blinkered about single seat away. Which is a little bit sad in a funny old way, isn't it? when you know the Formula One history going way back that New Zealand has. I mean, there is still a team named after a famous New Zealander, right? Yes, there is. But you say it's sad. It is just the economy of scale. I mean, the truth is there are 22 drivers in Formula One and pretty much half, if not more, are paying to be there. And I I know that sounds kind of like it doesn't have the twinkle of of the romance that we grew up with, Mm. but it's the truth. And I would say that there are a thousand drivers all capable of driving a Formula One car that will never get a sniff at it simply because they don't have the money or they're not in the right place at the right time. They don't get the Lando Norris treatment of going straight through. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just the reality. So, you know, I'm, I'm like you. I'd love to go back to the 70s where it was all about Formula One. But those days are gone. Well, and, but, but... TRS, of course, 17 years now. Yeah, uh, Formula One. Let's let's go down to that one because you spent a lot of time, and there are three Grands yep. Prix in America this year. Now, can you? Because you're living in a monk, you're living in America. Uh, do you believe honestly that Drive to Survive has driven a genuine upswing in Formula One interest in America? Yes, wholeheartedly, a hundred percent. And I'll tell you who with with the young people with women, and with people who had no interest in motor racing. The whole stalwart American motorsport fan has not gone away. They love their Indy, they love their NASCAR, and they love Grand Roots racing like Trans Am and Formula Ford, just as they do here in New Zealand. But young girls of 18 love the glamour. Uh, Housewives love to see... the, the, the locations yeah. that they're going to, and they know nothing about motor racing. But the whole thing that Netflix brings is a is a is a, a window into that lifestyle of glamour, glitz. But more importantly, men and women striving to achieve in a sport that is just so minutely precise, with a lot of money at stake. It really is. Um, you know, it's a fantastic window on what we love about motorsport and we witness every weekend, but where outsiders can be brought in and get it. And now it's taking off like wildfire in the States. I worry for Indy because, because it really is, um, you know, Formula One is so popular. I do the Formula One at, uh, tw- at the Circuit of the Americas. We had 440,000 fans over the three-day weekend. 
See, the flip side to me is this, is that NASCAR and Indy do well because the drivers buy into what they do. They understand that it's an entertainment product. It's a show. Did you see this year, this boss, or last year, excuse me, the drivers in Formula One buy into the idea that they are part of the show and they've got to play the game and not bring that, shall I say, European attitude to it. You're absolutely right. And the irony is Lando Norris and Lewis Hamilton have been waiting for this moment to shine because they've always had this personality. They've always had style and fashion as part of their lives. But under, sadly, the Bernie regime, they weren't allowed to use social media. You weren't allowed to take photographs of moving cars and all that sort of stuff. Social media had, was not even a part. There was no marketing department in Formula One. That has all changed under Liberty. And now you see Lewis Hamilton on late night shows in the States. You see um, Red Bull doing, you know, adverts and uh, activations you know, and uh, promos and all the rest of it. Jamie Chadwick's on my TV doing IBM commercials every, every half hour. I love it. But that's because there's a new era of inclusiveness in motor racing at the highest level and it's just helping build the sport in, a, in the biggest market of all. I remember when I joined Formula One, everybody said it can't be a world championship if we're not in the blue chip area of the United States, where Ford are, where GM are, where Toyota are, where all of these big, big names are. And then that's just the manufacturers. Think about Red Bull. Think about all of the uh, yeah. you know, sponsorship that uh, Formula One post-cigarette sponsorship needs to be and it has to be america because it's the biggest market wow that's yeah it's the, the change uh, i just seems to me the change has happened in the blink of an eye and it's 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 you've got to hang with the cool kids because ford have announced in the last week they're jumping back in as an engine supplier because they want to be part of uh, being seen to be part of the uh, the electrification with the hybrid vehicles and as well and not just that, look at the promo that Ford put out. It was all based on a young woman who becomes the strategist for Red Bull, and she is real because she is there at the Red Bull helm doing the strategy week in, week out. Women now are in motorsport, and long may it continue, and long may it grow. We finally opened the door to the other gender, duh, marketing. Why haven't we been doing this for 50 years? But finally... The gentleman's sport is over, and we are now a world, global, male and female sport, and I'm all for it. Uh, were you surprised? I spoke to uh, the head of Ford in the country yesterday on our broadcast, and, and we knew mm -hmm. about Red Bull, but I was uh, staggered when he said, oh, we're also talking to Alfa Tori and Ferrari. It was the first thing that me and Murray Taylor were talking about this morning was, did you notice the, the Alfa Tori comment as yeah, well? The Alpha, yeah, like, my yeah. apologies. Yeah, the Alfa Tori, not Ferrari, but the Alfa Tori comment. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that really does show you where Ford are, because when you really look at the balance of power, Mercedes and their customers have dominated. Ferrari are a subset, if you will, and they've got their second team now with Alfa Romeo. But outside of that, Mercedes have, uh, excuse me, McLaren had a Mercedes engine, but now with potentially GM and Cadillac coming with Andretti, if that happens, suddenly we're back to potentially four or five engine manufacturers in Formula One, and that is really going to grow the sport because, yes, that includes hybrid, that includes engines, that includes road cars, and that includes huge marketing dollars 
which is only going to push forward. See, yes, I, I know. This is an interesting. I'm glad you mentioned Andretti because they're building a huge new facility to, to basically handle all their, their racing programs. But most importantly, you know they want to be an F1. And I see finally the F1 have called for expressions of interest for two, two, not one, two new teams, I think, for 26. Uh, but there's this thing about uh, the FIA versus Liberty, right? Where's that going to yeah. end up with teams protecting the amount of money they get? So the FIA have said, we want two new teams. They've basically given the finger to their shareholders who are the teams. Um, I don't agree with that. I think, um, you know, the old expression, um, you know, all, all boats get lifted by more. And I think Andretti is, is not a fly-by-night by any means. No. Uh, I w- I'll get on my high horse here. Toto Wolff said, yeah, he's done very well in America. Well, actually, uh, Toto, he's done very well in Australia. He's done very well in Formula E. He's done very well in Formula Extreme. Andretti Autosport is massive. It's up there with Ganassi and Penske, and he runs a tight ship. And if Andretti, especially with Mario as the ambassador, come into Formula One, look out world. I- I- I'm really you know, passionate about this. Um, you know, three Kiwis in India at the moment, you know, the, the, all boats raise by the fact that American motorsport is now stepping more so on a global level with Ford, with Andretti, with Ganassi and with Penske. So, you know, lo, you know that it, it's a, we used to be two sides of the pond. Oh, we'll race in the 500. Now it's Alonso's racing the 500 and he's doing Le Mans. And Marcus Ericsson comes in and wins the 500. Marcus Armstrong was going to Formula One, but now he's going to win in Indy. You know, Lawson. So the point is, we've, the, the, the game has changed. I want to ask you a question that everybody seems to try to find the answer for. And we've sort of talked about it. Liam Lawson, has the window closed on his opportunity to get an F1 seat? No. I think it's actually open. And the fact that he's going to Japan is a well-trodden place, ask Gasly, uh, of making it back to Formula One and into Formula One. Pato Award doing the same. Um, Many, many have gone. Remember, he is right where he needs to be because you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines as the reserve driver forever. You want to be driving a car and you want to be sharp. And Helmut Marko, uh, the, the only thing I would criticize about but Red Bull's program is that they do have too many drivers, good drivers, yeah. at their disposable, disposal. But the, the number one of those drivers who are waiting in the wings is Liam Lawson. And the fact that they put him into Japan to race with a Honda engine is absolutely tantamount that he is the next chosen one. I'm convinced of Well, I just, you know, I just wondered whether, whether he'd lost the spot when De Vries picked up the Alpha Tori seat. Yeah, you could argue that, but that's my point, is that, you know, they, I mean, look at Alban. He could have been gone and never come back to, to Formula yeah. One, but now he's found his way back to Williams. So, yeah, they have a, ve- I mean, you know, Hartley's story is a, a good one to follow, but look where he's bounced out and, and now doing. So, yeah, maybe Formula One isn't the ultimate anymore, but I think that Lawson's dedication to Europe and his dedication to single-seaters plus his relationship with Red Bull and how he's performed. I mean, you know, I'm not being funny, but they don't just let anybody drive at uh, Bathurst yesterday <laughs> or the other week. Uh, why isn't Ricardo doing that? He's on, the, he's on the books too. No, they put Lawson there. So that tells me a lot. All righty, just one final thought before I let you go and uh, continue the jaunt towards Topo. Final round of the Castrol Toyota Formula Regional Series. Oh, I know what you're going to ask. 
What am I going to ask, Jonathan? You're going to ask who's going to win the title, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Got you there. I'll take it. Callum right. Hedge is going to win the title. Whoa! You are kidding me. It's what, 10 points back? No, it's more. Yep. Yeah, no, thanks. 10 points back. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Please, because that he's one. He's got oh, the wow. knowledge. He's got the knowledge. He's. This will be, hey, chummy, chummy, Charlie, Charlie, wear the Crocs, have fun, blah, blah. The doors will close this weekend, and you won't see much of Callum because Callum is out to win a title. He's a very, very serious young man, and he knows, we've been talking about Liam Lawson, what it could do for his career. So, Charlie, Charlie, have, have fun, Charlie, Charlie. Uh, but I'm going to show you what Taupo is all about. I've been here in an 86. I've been here many times before. It's a specialist track. The wind makes a difference at Taupo. Who knows? Uh, it can blow <laughs> bloody volcanic uh, you know, ash on the track. You don't know. But Callum knows these things, and he's not going to tell Charlie any of it. I am blown away by that call, I'll be honest with you, <laughs> because he's, he's shown consistency. We know he's quick. He just needs a little bit of luck. That's what I'm saying. I will preface it by saying, what do I know? I just talk a lot. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Jonathan, thanks so much for giving me your time. I will catch you in Topo on Friday for the final round, buddy. And may I say, it's been an honour working with you, my friend, over the last four weeks. It's been great. It has been good fun, my friend, likewise. Back at you, buddy. Enough back scratching. I'll see you in, on Taupo. <laughs> Have a good show.